Hello, welcome to my podcast, Here's What I Think. This is where I share my thoughts on whatever is on my mind that I think will interest you. Topics range from interesting people that I've met, to living in Jamaica today, to my own livity. You know, that finding that mind-body connection and nurturing it through food choices, work and family balance, and pursuing my best life ever through my consistently good choices. Today's podcast is called Simply Black and White, but is it really? Some days, some years ago, about four years ago to be exact, a former beauty contestant uploaded a video to Facebook where she spoke about some of the realities facing the island at the time. She spoke about crime and the Chick V epidemic, and she did so jokingly. The backlash was amazing. She said nothing inherently untrue. So why the uproar? I wondered if the messenger were different, would the reaction have been the same? She was a light-skinned Jamaican of some apparent privilege. And perhaps this colored, no pun intended, the message and evoked the reaction that it did. Admittedly, we do have a preoccupation with form in Jamaica. And um, I remember when Anthony Bourdain did his feature on Jamaica for, the, for his CNN documentary, it caused some reaction. In true Bourdain style, his story sought to capture the essence of the destination by delving into more than the food and drink on the island. As he always does, Bourdain tried to present the viewer with more than one angle, seeking to create a context for a more rounded understanding. A Jamaica tourist board feature it definitely was not. Some people loved it, while others declared it to be an embarrassment. There is a very strong sentiment that we as Jamaicans ought not to air dirty linen in public. We once had a U.S. ambassador stationed here in Jamaica who dared to level an observation. Okay, it was a criticism. That as a country, we tended to laud announcements rather than accomplishments. Well, what an ant's nest he stirred up with that statement. Not surprisingly to me, the discussion about the ambassador's statement had more to do with who made the statement and where the statement was made, with almost zero thought given to the actual veracity of the statement. In Jamaica, form trumps principle every single time. We are extremely hung up on appearances and so-called protocols without spending half of that attention and energy on the actual issue. Let's come back to the video. As I said, I wondered, had the messenger been different, would the video have been assessed and reacted to in the same way? Would it have evoked the same reactions? You see, divides based on skin color exist in Jamaica. We make judgments in this country based on skin color. 
Yes, 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 we proudly declare in our national motto, out of many, one people. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Let me tell you a couple of stories. They're short. Story number one. This one is called The Long Line in the Ladies' Room at the Cinema. At intermission, I rushed with my young charge to the ladies' room. Apparently, every other female in the house was on the same mission. The line was long. What, what to do? I took my place at the back of the line and I prayed to God that it would move quickly. Two white-looking girls, about 14 years old, sauntered in chatting merrily to themselves. They swung their long straight hair up into ponytails as they walked in, and I watched in utter amazement as they simply breezed past us in the long line and took their place at the head of the line. Now, at the head of this line was a woman with black skin, about 40 years old. By this time, I am totally focused on what is unfolding in front of me. I ignored my young charge for a while as I gave full attention to this scene. The woman at the head of the line looked annoyed. She rolled her eyes and shifted her weight to her other foot as she folded her arms tightly across her chest. No one said anything though, not even her. In a split second, I decided that I was going to give her exactly 20 seconds to take action. And if she failed to do so, I was going to step in. Time up. I commanded my charge to stay put. And I took three strides to the top of the line and leaned in towards the girls. In a loud, clear voice, I was calm though, I declared to them, This is a line. This is where it starts and look at where it ends. You join the line down there. They looked around in confusion, and that confusion changed to obvious embarrassment, and they said sorry and moved to the back of the line. I went back to my own place in the line, not daring to look at the woman at the top of the line, lest she see the disappointment I felt in her. I had questions. Why didn't she stand up for herself? Why did those white-looking girls not see the line? Did they really not see it? Did they see it and did they choose to just ignore it? I honestly don't think they were malicious. I think they were simply behaving as they always did in their, relative, in their context of relative privilege. That was story number one. Story number two, this one is called Driver, we want a search. Back in the early 90s, for a while, I used to take public transport between Kingston and Mandeville. I was engaged in on-farm research near Spur Tree, and the project didn't as yet have an assigned vehicle. It wasn't uncommon for the minibuses and the coaster buses that I used to take to be stopped by police at random and various points along the route. All passengers had to disembark so the police could search for weapons and ganja. Nine out of ten times that we were stopped for this search, the police would say to me, Browning, you can stay in at the bus. It's all right. Sit down. The special treatment afforded me actually had started from the bus park 
where the loader man or the driver would signal to me, Browning, come sit down in the front. Story number three. Him is a nice brown man. Him can be the foreman. I knew someone who was summoned to jury duty here in Kingston some years ago. She told me that she watched on in amazement at how the foreman of the jury was selected. The selection criteria was clear. I said it at the top of this story. Him is a nice brown man, so he can be the foreman. And no one objected, including the person telling me this story. She wasn't interested in the position, she said, and she saw no point in introducing contention. Story number four. This one is called, White Woman Can't Manage Black Woman Here. The last time I combed my daughter's hair was when she was in grade four. She's now in final year at college. At the time, she had a huge and glorious head of hair. Washing and combing it demanded prayer and fasting and push-ups and pull-ups for the two of us. On this particular occasion, as her tresses got the better of me, I sighed and I heaved and I sucked my teeth. My normally quiet, reserved nine-year-old angel said quietly but clearly, white woman can't manage black woman here. I was stunned into silence. I was hurt. I was hurt that my baby saw a difference between us. I was puzzled. We both struggled through what would be our last hair episode. After all, that's why God invented hairdressers. And a few days later, after I thought I had processed it sufficiently, we spoke. I told her that shades of blackness was an artificial construct devised to divide the African slave population. That we as black people bought into it as we failed to recognize the glory, the diversity and the beauty of our black selves and instead looked at whiteness as an aspirational ideal. I told her to stop it. If you live in Jamaica, then you have at least 10 more stories that you can place right alongside the four that I have chosen to share. I haven't spoken about how I was called coolie girl or white girl at my primary school. I haven't shared how I was trying to make a point in a group discussion during high school. And I was laughed out of the room when I started with, we as black people. I was shocked. You see, my parents, especially my mom, have a very strong sense of who they are and they pass that on to all six of us. I was a black person as far as I was concerned. I remember being puzzled once too when an old white man who was attending the same conference I was attending in Detroit politely asked me, what are you? I was, I was puzzled. My answer to him was, well, I'm Jamaican, and this seemed to only add to his confusion. He continued, but you aren't white, are you? Are you black? Well, at this, part, uh, at this point, I realized where he was coming from. I don't know if it was ignorance. I don't know if he was just trying to be cute, but I answered him. I said, yes, I'm black. I come from the Caribbean where there was a whole lot of raping of black women by white men. 
and intermarriage between Indians, Chinese, Blacks, and Whites. That ended that conversation. In Jamaica, we like to sing, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. And we are taught to recite our motto, out of many, one people. But I don't think we get it. We still draw lines and make judgments based on color in Jamaica. I've never lived anywhere other than in the Caribbean, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago and Grenada. This is merely my experience in the skin that I was born with. Other per persons born in a different skin have other experiences that though different from mine, illuminate the very real color divide in Jamaica. Someone once said that as a nation, as a people, we still haven't recovered from slavery. He may well be right. Visit my blog at kellycatherine.com and look for the post of the same name as this podcast. You can see the video that I referenced at the top of the podcast and you can see pictures which might help to paint the picture a little better than my words in this podcast could. I look forward to hearing from you. See you next time. Bye-bye.